with the pandemic, it's become evident that technology is the way forward for clubs, for brands, for athletes to better monetize, to develop, to you know increase performance, to reach out to their fans, etc. So it's just become so evident, and everybody's now much more open-minded to you know new technology and new entrants into the market. This is the Sports Tech All-Stars podcast, showcasing outstanding startups and initiatives in the global sports tech ecosystem. From Sports Tech X, the leading source for data and insights about sports tech. Here is your host, Ron Maholtra. All right, welcome once again to the Sports Tech All-Stars podcast. This is your host for today, Ron, and I'm quite delighted to say that we have our first repeat podcast guest. I mean, we've already done over 100 episodes, uh, which I think we completed maybe about 10 or so episodes ago. But this is the first time we're doing a repeat. And there's a reason for it, because our guest has some interesting things to talk about. We're going to be talking to Pyotr Zhukov of Indigo Capital, who we spoke to in, I believe it was March of last year, just in the early throes of the pandemic before anybody really understood what was happening. But we'll get to what happened over the course of the year. And one of the reasons that we're going to talk to an investor now is because, guys, it's mid-September. This is on our way to our VC report, the Global Sports Tech VC report, which Sports Tech X publishes every October. It's an important, let's say, milestone in our calendar year, every year, because I think it's the, it's the one thing that we talk about really what's happening in sports tech from a funding investment numbers perspective. Our other reports are usually focused on the ecosystem in general, geographies, which is why they cut that way. But the VC report is always about the numbers, always about the latest trends in investment, who are the hottest startups, how much money has gone into sports tech over this last year. And for that reason, it's always great to talk to an investor. And with that, I'll leave the floor to Pyotr Zhukov. Welcome to the show once again, Pyotr. Hey, hey, Ron. Uh, thanks for having me again. Yeah, I'm delighted to be the first person to do it for the second time. Uh, hopefully, it'd be worth it for for the listeners. I'll try to make it interesting. <laughs> I'm optimistic. We'll get there, Piotr. We'll get there. Um, the last episode was a good one. Had a, I think it was one of our most heard episodes, I have to say, as well. So I'm, I'm optimistic that this one will go well as well. But don't worry. For the first time, listeners who don't know Piotr, don't know Indigo Capital, we will go through some background about these guys I and mean, all the cool stuff that they do, but you can always refer to the previous episode if you want. So, Piotr, with that said, I'm going to jump into my questions. Like I just said, I want to do a quick refresher. So let's start with you, the person, as always. And I want to add one specific detail which I found out while trying to look for something new. I believe that apart from all the background that you'll get into, you are also the chairman of the Russian Chess Boxing Federation. So I definitely want to hear a bit about that as well. Yeah, that is correct. Yeah, I can start with that. I'm not only a chairman of the Russian Chess Boxing Federation, I'm also a member of the Global Council for Chess Boxing. And then I'm one of the original investors in chess boxing. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a big enthusiast of the sport that was created by uh, my good friend Ipe Rubin, who tragically 
died, unfortunately, in the beginning of the year. Uh, but we continue to sort of carry his legacy and the amazing invention in this quest for the smartest and the toughest on the planet. I think it is the best combination, chess and boxing. So, yeah, yeah there's a lot of uh, new supporters of the sport and a lot of new enthusiasts. So if you're interested, just Google it and check out some of the tournaments. Uh, you'll get excited. Absolutely. Just before I let you go, Piotr, just for yeah. a quick background, um, yeah, may his soul rest in peace. Uh, visionary, truly, chess boxing, just quickly, is literally what it sounds like. You do one round, I think I think it's three minutes, maybe two or something. Yeah. Yeah. Two guys playing chess Correct. in the middle of a boxing ring. Yes. And they do that for, for one round and then they box like they normally would for another round and they alternate this for, I believe, 10 or, or so rounds. So really interesting, as you said, smartest and toughest. Uh, people in the world is what it was looking for. But that's checks boxing out of the way. Let's uh, let you go about yourself. Sure. So, uh, I mean, as you as you now understand from my passion to chess boxing, I am a sports enthusiast for my whole life. Uh, I've been practicing sports, studying sports, uh, being a football fan, basketball fan, bas- boxing fan, a chess fan. And, and I've tried a lot myself uh, on an amateur level and some, some sports on a semi-professional level. So the sports tech focus is no coincidence. Uh, in terms of background, I am Russian, born and raised in Moscow. I uh, started my professional career uh, in investment banking within international firms, uh, UBS and Credit Suisse. I traveled quite a bit. I, I worked in uh, London and in New York, and I finished my career in early 2011 when um, I made a decision with a bunch of friends and partners to try and set up uh, an investment firm of our own. Uh, and this is Indigo Capital, which is uh, still existing and thriving, I must say. The original idea was to have a Russian-only mid-market private equity firm. And we do have those funds still, and we do manage traditional brick-and-mortar businesses uh, here in Russia. Uh, Later on, we also started uh, investing in tech companies around the world. Uh, We did not have any particular focus or strategy sector-wise or sometimes even stage-wise. And we were just, you know, basically exploring and uh, educating ourselves in quite a costly manner, as you can imagine. The decision's been made to create a very focused uh, sub-fund that would invest in early-stage sports tech companies predominantly in Europe. And this is called Indigo Sports Tech now. And we'll talk about it, I'm sure, in details later. I am, uh, by way of education, uh, a both a lawyer and a financier and a corporate finance professional. Uh, during the pandemic, I, I completed actually a very cool program called OPM, with Harvard Business School for, you know, owners and top managers of uh, businesses. And I was lucky enough to actually 
be one of the first group of people to complete it online. So we did the third module online and graduated online. So those, th this is a bit about myself. Very cool, Walter. I mean, most people took up le learning a language or decided to become uh, chefs and master chefs during the pandemic. But uh, as a good business uh, owner and a, as a fund manager, I guess you decided to upskill uh, significantly in your professional world, which is a great idea as well. All right. So you mentioned uh, the Indigo Capital Sports Tech Fund. Let's talk about that now. Once again, it's a Russian-based fund, but of course you invest all over the world. What's the story of the fund? Why sports tech? Let's get into it. Sure. Actually, I will correct you there a little bit. It's not a Russia-based fund. I mean, we are, the team are Russian nationals, but uh, Anatoly, who is a VP in charge of sports tech, is actually based out of Austria, Vienna. So he's there. The fund is domiciled in Cyprus. And I, you know, sometimes live on the plane, so it's hard to say... <laughs> Uh, where are we based and where are we from? Fair enough. In a post-pandemic world, we are a global everything. But fair enough. Thanks for the correction. Yeah, it's a European fund, I'd say, yeah. uh, with Russian roots. So, yeah, it was uh, it was founded, uh, well, institutionalized, let's say, something like two years ago. Previously, we've had already interest in sports tech and we've had some investments some pretty actually successful investments in sports tech. You know, we had a stake in a company like chess.com, for example, which you probably know it's one of them. It's the, actually the most popular chess app in the world. Uh, we exited in 2018. We were one of the early investors of a Swedish company called Hevding that produces uh, head protection, smart head protection for cyclists. And it's a public company of which we're still significant shareholders. So we had some investments, but as a separate sort of uh, entity, uh, sports, Indigo Sports Tech exists for two years. We've done seven investments so far. We focus on primarily on Europe, but we also look at North America a little bit. We're starting to look at um, Latin America. And of course, there's some Russian companies in the portfolio. But again, the majority is Europe. We mainly look at seed and kind of late seed and series A. We only fund post-revenue companies. Uh, and, you know, segment-wise, we also have our philosophy, but we can uh, talk about this in detail, if you will, uh, later. Actually, we can get into that right now, Pyotr, because that's what we want to know in terms of, well, any startups listening, you've mentioned you want um, seed to series A, you've mentioned that you want, well, of course, it's sports tech focused, you've mentioned the geographies that you cover. So within the world of sports tech, what are the sectors that you primarily focus on? Yeah, I mean, as we progressed and we, as we become better and better experts in, in the field, uh, we kind of slightly alter our approach and, and sometimes we narrow our focus down, sometimes we actually broaden it. So um, it's, it's, it's not static, you know, as, as trends, as market trends change, we also adapt and we change our approach. So I'm going to tell you 
as of now, we look a lot at the intersection of uh, uh, media, marketing, and sports. A good example of that would be our fairly recent investment in Spain, a company called Horizon. So they basically help sports clubs uh, monetize their social media. And uh, they're now also moving forward with a marketplace model where, you know, bo- which, where both the clubs and the media advertising players and brands uh, can find something interesting. So uh, we also uh, are quite focused on devices, smart devices for personalized fitness, for remote fitness, you know, like devices that provide coaching on the spot. A couple of good examples would be our portfolio company called Strafe in, in Germany. So this is basically like smart rubber bands that know how many exercises you've done, you know, whether you've done them correctly. Uh, there's an app with, you, you know, different sets of exercises, etc., etc. Uh, there's another company out of UK called Carve. Uh, these guys, they manufacture smart insoles for skiers, actually. And uh, that's a device that is effectively like a, a real-time smart uh, coach and trainer for for skiers. So those devices, I mean, we, we also have MyoTest. That is a solution that's integrated into smartwatches to be able to tell the mistakes and running technique and style, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We're quite focused on that because we believe the uh, B2C market is just you know enormous, obviously, uh, and there's a bunch of technologies and cute gadgets that are available to a very wide audience, not being super expensive, but actually being very useful and cool. So we, we quite like that. Uh, another thing we look at is fan base monetization, uh, fan engagement, fan base management, whatever you call it. So as you know, there's a lot of opportunities, especially in the hard times of COVID for clubs to generate more revenues from, you know, from their fan base uh, and with the limited ability to sell tickets, etc., it actually becomes very handy. So that's, that's another interesting uh, segment. An adjacent niche would also be, you know, content creation, uh, OTT, long tail for the sort of the lower leagues and the smaller clubs. That All of that is also very interesting. Yeah, I, I would say for now, for now, we're predominantly looking at those. But there, there are many other things, of course, like value management, et cetera, et cetera. You name it. Yeah, I mean, sports tech is a fast-growing, fast-changing space. And we're actually going to talk about that a little later in the podcast, about some hot trends which sometimes appear and stay and sometimes appear and disappear pretty quickly as well. Uh, but interesting uh, points that you made, I'm going to hark back to them in a second. First of all, Horizon is a company that eagle-eyed listeners well, eagle-eyed listeners is an interesting uh, statement, but uh, 
familiar, those familiar with the podcast will know we've actually uh, featured Pedro uh, Mestriner. Mestriner, yeah. Mestriner, yeah. Correct. Uh, who's the, um, the co-founder of uh, Horizon. He's been featured on this podcast as well. Ooh, I didn't know that. Very nice. Yeah, yeah. He's been on here. Another company that you mentioned, Strefer. Uh, we have actually done a test on our YouTube channel, um, hellosportstech.com or youtube.com slash hellosportstech. We have Ben and I, I think, I think Ben did that episode, uh, where Ben was testing out the Strefer product. So we're actually quite familiar with some of your portfolio companies or people in the sports tech ecosystem will be. So very great to know that you're looking at topics that we find interesting as well, which of course, I mean, this is, these are the hottest trends. You mentioned fitness, which we'll talk connected fitness devices, which we'll talk about later. So very interesting to hear your perspective, but as you said, you're open to anything interesting as well. So startups uh, reach out to Indigo Capital. Their website is indigocapital.ru. And in fact, you'll see another feature from them in our upcoming VC report as well. So plenty of ways to get in touch with the guys if you want to. All right. With that said, I mean, uh, Piotr, you've talked about a lot of the different companies that you've uh, invested in from Myotest, uh, Horizon, uh, Strafer, etc. Maybe you want to talk about them as a big success or something else that you want to mention. Wh what do you take away in the last year that you really look back and say, hey, we did that right? Well, look, I mean, uh, we've uh, first of all, we, we've been closing deals this year and last year. Uh, but and, and almost completely remotely, which is a sort of a new norm and then for, for the industry. I wouldn't say it slows things down tremendously, but it slowed things down somewhat. So we continue to invest at, let's say, four deals per year, but it's less than I wanted. So I would say I, I would be striving to do more like eight, ten deals per year. I really like the ones that we did. So far, sorry to interrupt, but what is the limitation to you from going to four to uh, eight to ten? Is that is there no quality deal flow? Is this like resource or lack of bandwidth resources because you've got so much to deal with already? Like, what is stopping you from moving to the cadence that you want to? Moving physically, you mean? No, I'm to moving from four deals a year to eight to ten, which you said you want to do. Oh, I, I would I would say it's a combination of capacity constraints of the team, unfortunately, which we will resolve. Right. And uh, the sort of the lack of offline major gatherings of the industry from which we actually previously, uh, you know, generated quite a lot of pipeline. Mm -hmm. I would say also that I tend, I'm a little bit old school, so I tend to like to come to people's offices, touch and feel, you know, look people in the eye, try their gadgets on the spot. And now we have to order and wait for deliveries and then, you know, they make mistakes, et cetera, et cetera. So it's not a significant difference, but it's, it's somewhat different and it slows things down for me, at least when, when you can't, you know, physically travel everywhere and touch and feel uh, and test. Although I was just, Last week, I was in Sweden and tried out a very, very cool device myself. Mm -hmm. But uh, that, that's, uh, yeah, that's a rare occasion these days. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean. I mean, uh, those events are something that we genuinely miss. I mean, Sports Tech X and to, to go out on the road and talk about what's happening in the ecosystem and 
also do our own stuff. Last year, we had many plans of doing our own events, which we still do, by the way. So hopefully you'll hear uh, or we'll get a chance to have you in Berlin, at one of ours. But yeah, coming back to the topic that we were discussing, you said working remotely and closing deals was a challenge, but that's something that you've still managed to do. Yeah, we still managed to do. I think we really did some very high quality deals. We're very proud of our guys, very pr- proud of our uh, founders and the portfolio companies, uh, really all of them so far. Some of the more visible ones and kind of fancy ones, I mentioned Horizon. I mean, it's pretty fascinating. These guys, they already have a hundred, over a hundred clubs as clients. And this progress was made in less than a year. Can you imagine? Yeah. Uh, and of course, you have all the uh, famous names amongst those clients, like the Juventus and Real and Chelsea of this world. Yeah, Real Madrid, etc. They've done a fantastic job. Yeah. And there's multiple sports already. So they're in volleyball and they're uh, working with a golfer. You know, they're, it's, it's quite an amazing company. Also, Carve achieved tremendous success despite the pandemic in North America, received quite a number of awards uh, in the UK from one of the best techie products and uh, also, uh, you know, high growth uh, tech company coming out of the UK. Actually, UK being the largest VC market in Europe, right? So it's quite, quite an achievement to be recognized in, in the UK. So, yeah, I mean, the, the, we, we're quite happy with the progress. We're very, very happy with the quality of the portfolio. But what, what I'm trying to do is to actually accelerate this development because I believe one of our advantages versus, you know, sort of larger VCs and other types of investors is that we, we really know our stuff. We know the sector and we can move very fast. We're almost like a you know solo VC, where a very small team makes a quick decision and we just go forward. So I, I want to capitalize on that and I, I'd like to accelerate going forward. Stay up to date with all things sports tech and sign up for our newsletter. You'll get a monthly breakdown of the most important developments in the global sports tech ecosystem, paired with exclusive interviews with industry leaders. Get all of this and more delivered directly to your inbox. Sign up today at sportstechx.com. Got it. That is very promising to hear. And in fact, that's, I mean, it's usually one of those things where you move slow, 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 Till you, you know, jump on it and move quick, which is, you know, that phase sure. of understanding and really bringing everything together. And when you move, you move, uh, which is, I believe, how you guys work. So that's really cool to hear. And also, I mean, it's, I, I do believe uh, you guys completed, or Indigo Capital completed 10 years, right? You mentioned 2011. So that's, a, well, first of all, congratulations on the decade and happy anniversary. Thank you. We had a big and loud party. So. Ah, nice. <laughs> yeah. That I, I missed my invite, Piotr. Come on. I, this, <laughs> this cannot happen again. When we get to 20 and 25, I better be there. You, you're invited for sure. <laughs> if Hopefully, there's no travel restrictions. Absolutely. No, but, but more importantly, it's about bringing that experience and then identifying that, hey, once you've got something in hand, you move to close it quickly. Like you do in the sports world. Every, every moment is when the opportunity presents itself, you have to capitalize. 
All right, with that said, let's go quickly or look quickly into the future. A lot of cool stuff has been happening, it seems like. You've really expanded your portfolio in a bunch of interesting directions. What is, let's say, the one or two big things that you really want to achieve over the next 12 months or so? Look, I, I think there's a lot to achieve, to be honest, because if you look at the bigger picture, I think the majority of the of the trends, the mega trends and the and the smaller trends are in our favor. Mm-hmm. There's really a lot of tailwind uh, because you see sector wise, sports tech is growing really fast and it's going to be booming uh, for, well, at least the foreseeable future, because with the pandemic, it's become evident that technology is the way forward for clubs, for brands, for athletes to better monetize, to develop, to you know increase performance, to reach out to their fans, etc. So it's just become so evident, and everybody's now much more open-minded to you know new technology, new entrants into the market. We're mainly in Europe, and Europe is also booming, as you know as a VC arena is now, you know, number one in the world for the first time it's overcome China by number of, uh, you know, unicorns and even, you know, us in terms of the amount of money raised VC. So that's fascinating. You have, you see more and more new funds, smaller funds showing incredible performance for those reasons that are, you know, I partly voiced being fast, being specialized, knowing the segment, being really active, adding value to, you know, the founders. So those types of new players that are agile and not huge are, are really, you know, the, the, the startups and the founders' favorites. And that's why they get really high-quality pipeline and, and, and close great deals and show fantastic results. So for me, the biggest task is, is, is to make the most out of those trends, the mega trends that are in our favor, you know, uh, to really use this tailwind to go faster. And, uh, and we don't necessarily uh, go after a mega fund in the future or mega deals. We're not hunting uh, unicorns or dragons, you know. Uh, we're here for the quality of the stuff that we do, uh, and we're really involved very closely with all the companies, and we want to continue doing this, not, not at a huge scale, still in the early stage, because I believe it's the best stage in this market with inflation, inflated valuations, and to just you know show exceptional performance and to be the experts in sports tech. I, I want to be the go-to guy for you know global investors when it comes to sports technology. As simple as that. Well, Piotr, it seems like we have something in common because that is exactly the vision of Sports Tech X as well. I mean, we're not from the investor side, but that's what we want to be as well. We want to be the go-to guys when it comes to market intelligence in sports tech. So lots of things that we can... Al- you will. If you, if you continue on your path, you will. Appreciate it. Thanks for the endorsement. And yeah. with that said, I'm going to jump on something that you that you touched on right now. And I can't leave you go without talking about these trends. We'll just do maybe a minute or so quick in and out on some of these topics. The mega trends and let's say, which are the mini trends, which are a bit hot and cold 
all in one. Uh, so the mega trend, first of all, I have to mention connected fitness devices. Yeah, it's something that we have talked about for I think over a year now. We released a fitness tech report in uh, November of last year where we really tried to deep dive into the fitness tech space and connected devices are driving it. I mean, it's incredible what Peloton has become beyond just its device. It's a music company, they're into gaming, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So they're really, the, uh, let's say, the gold standard or the blue chip company when in that segment. But I want to hear your thoughts. Is this here to stay mega trend? Is it only getting bigger? I would assume yes, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's getting bigger and Peloton just started it. But then you had a bunch of companies yep. also reaching very significant size, you know, with Miro and others. And now I think the next phase of this mega trend is, in my personal opinion, kind of moving to more affordable, less costly, less complex devices yep. and then winning over a large market. Those guys, they're incredibly complex, very cool, uh, but, you know, expensive pieces of equipment. Uh, and now I see a big potential for another few successes with accessible and affordable kind of connected devices. Absolutely. So, yeah, definitely there to stay. Bang on, Piotr. I think that all of the companies that you mentioned, and we'll talk about some more, I mean, from Peloton, Mirror, Tonal, Tempo, um, you name them, PlayPulse, etc. All of these devices are more or less around that $2,000 price point. Plus, they have a monthly subscription model. And I think that, as you rightly said, whoever can bring it down to maybe a, a couple hundred, maybe 300 to 500 entry barrier, maybe even lower, forget the physical device and go only to monthly subscription, they will really go mass market. So absolutely agree there. So that's a, a clear yay on connected fitness. I'll move quickly to my next one. We can't go anywhere without talking about NFTs, Piotr. <laughs> NFTs and sports. Yeah. Let, let's hear it. Yay or nay? Yeah, look, for me, there are certain inventions of humanity or instruments that these days become hyped up very quickly, be it crypto or blockchain or, you know, the NFTs. And with these, uh, with these inventions and, 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 and kind of new fashionable instruments, uh, it's always tricky because it would be unfair to say that they're useless or that they will go away very quickly. But it, in my opinion, it would be fair to say that their truly valuable application is valuable to only to a certain number of uh, industries or business cases. It cannot be applied everywhere like a blanket, you know, crypto here, crypto there, you know, uh, or, or blockchain here, blockchain there. And, that, and the same goes for NFTs, you know. Uh, obviously, the, 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 the popularity and the hype has to do a lot with arts because you've seen all those big arts uh, deals. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, I mean, now you've seen them go to Sotheby's. You've seen the, yes. I mean, outside of the sports world, to be clarified, from the crypto punks and the board apes, which everybody's talking about. But within the sports world, yeah, you're not as, let's say, bullish that this is here to stay. I, I am not as bullish, but I mean, the sports in, in, is close to entertainment. Entertainment is close to arts. Right. So yeah, of course you can you can use the moment. You can use the opportunity to better monetize a person, a popularity or a brand, 
uh, by using this instrument. And uh, yeah, money will be made. It's just that I don't see how my expertise in sports helps me to better kind of capitalize on this trend, you know, if you know what I mean. Yep. Because it is somewhat temporary. Fair point. And I think that there is, I'll just sum it up quickly by saying that obviously NFTs and sports exploded at the start of the year. NBA Top Shot was revolutionary. It genuinely, genuinely was. I can't take that away from the guys, what Dapper Labs did. Yeah. Created a new, let's say, asset class. And now it's within the sports space. NFTs overall is still bullish. Uh, there's a lot of money going on. You can see the open sea sure. uh, trading volumes per month. They're, they're doing all right in NFTs and sports have been declining steadily, very steadily, but very clearly declining over the last six months or so. But uh, just last month, because that's what we do, we were keeping track of the space in August for the first time over the six month period, we saw an increase for month on month numbers for what was traded on uh, SoRare. Really? I was not aware. I yep. was not aware of that. Yep. I thought it was in decline still. No, no. Uh, that That's why that's why we're here. We keep our eye on it. We've been doing this month on month. <laughs> we have uh, niftysports.co, which is a property that we launched exclusively to talk about what's happening in NFTs and sports. So I'll just sum it up. Last month, SoRare was 80% up on the volume that they did last in the previous month in July. They did about nearly 15 million in sales. MLB Tops, which is, let's say, the flagging one of the three of the three big ones, uh, they were still down. But NBA Top Shot also was 70% up at about nearly 40 million in total transaction value. So we're seeing maybe a slight uptick. Maybe that's connected to the latest announcements. We've heard La Liga announce their partnership with Dapper Labs. So they will do something close to NBA Top Shot. So maybe there's a bit of a bump or is this going to flatten out again? Only time will tell. All right, and trend number three, which we're going to talk about quickly, is sports betting. Again, Pyotr, seems like a mega trend, especially with all the legalization that we're seeing in the United States. But I'm curious to know your thoughts uh, of how it'll impact not that, not just that market, which it's doing significantly, but how much of this will spread over to the rest of the world. Uh, look, my, my view is as follows. Sports betting, like gambling, is one of those basic human passions that will never go away, right? But the businesses that uh, exploit that passion, in, in my opinion, and in kind of in Indigo's code of morals and code of conduct, I would say immoral and, and not quite something that we would like to make money on. Mm-hmm. Having said that, you know, this, this industry is only going to get bigger is going to thrive, of course, but then as it uh, grows and it will become more and more regulated because we, you and I, we know it's not, it's not the, your average user that wins the money here, yep. right? Casino always wins. Uh, and it's a mathematical fact and it's built in a certain way. So uh, the regulators also understand that. And there will be a fine balance between sort of using the sports betting industry as means for popularizing, promoting, and actually subsidizing professional sports. Because you know, a lot of the betting businesses are big sponsors to leagues, teams, you name it, right? Yep. And actually abusing the fan and abusing the viewer because this is their real hard-earned money 
that they lose there. So there's always with things like this, like gambling and betting, etc., is is always a cycle of high growth, regulation, then uh, restrainment, shrinking, and then it goes back to growth because people always want to play, they always want to gamble, they always want to bet. That's that's just my view. Fair. I mean, I, I can't uh, disagree with anything that you said. I think that. Me personally, I'm I'm not a big sports better. It's not something that I enjoy, but I, I can obviously see it. I, I have a lot of friends who who do it, and uh, it's difficult to use the word, but maybe are even addicted to it. And that therein lie the challenges of the industry. But wherever you stand on moral grounds, the fact remains that in the U.S. this is a booming, booming segment. We've seen a flurry of deals. We talked about this in our last VC report, and we'll probably touch on it on this one. We've seen a flurry of deals. All sorts of aggregation, every sports um, channel, the, the leagues, everybody's got their own either sports book or their own deal happening from DraftKings and FanDuel. Also, I'm sorry to interrupt, but you also have a flurry of big deals and betting coming out of Asia as well. Only the US. Absolutely spot on. I was literally coming to that point, uh, Piotr. So, yeah, maybe I'll, I'll get a last word from you there because... The impact of this is in India specifically, I'll, I'll mention because that's my homeland. Betting came as a product of, let's say, fantasy sports was the first version. Free-to-play, which moves to transaction and real money gaming. Fantasy has very close links to the betting. And in India, we're seeing this huge surge of fantasy sports. Dream11 is the, is, is the big dog, shall we say. They have their own fund also, by the way. They're investing in sports tech and we're close to them. But that is which direction that that is moving in. Very clearly in India, fantasy sports are becoming bigger and bigger. And you, it's not that far a step to say at some point in time, if the government allows it, it'll get legalized. And we're also seeing, as you said, a flurry of deals in other Asian markets. So whether we like it or not, it seems like betting is here to stay. huh? Absolutely. As I said, it's not going anywhere and it will grow. Yeah. But sooner or later, it will get more regulated again. It then will get, uh, you know, limited in its activity by different governments and so it will it will be reshaped uh but uh we're yet to see this for now it's just money making <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's the wild west everybody's trying to stack up in their gold rush and fill their fill their pockets and coffers yeah. etc but okay Great to hear from you, Piotr, on all those hot trends. There are plenty more that we can talk about. You mentioned earlier content creation, which is a fast-growing segment. Everybody wants to know behind the scenes of every athlete, their social media platforms, what they're doing. Sure. Um, At-home training is another topic that we talk about a lot at Sports Tech X, how uh, all these, let's say, technology that is available for elite athletes is now being commoditized and being uh, available for a small subscription fee. To every young athlete or want to be one of the athlete all these things I mean there are plenty more but hopefully we'll get to them in our VC report and our continued content all right Piotr we've had a really really interesting chat and I'm going to end on which has always been my favorite question I've asked you this before and I, I, I loved your answer the last time what is your what has been I should say your favorite sporting moment the last time you spoke about, well, let's say very patriotically, about a month yeah. in sports, in Russian sports. Uh, You're right. In 2008, yeah. when we won, we won in uh, yeah. the hockey world championship and uh, qualified to the semis in the European 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I, I remember that one vividly. I'm curious to know, do you have something else that you want to throw in? Maybe something more personal, maybe... Look, I, I'll, throw in, I'll throw in another patriotic moment uh -huh. because this is, to me, this was one of the best summers in my entire life. Just, uh, you know, emotionally and in terms of the concentration of uh, you know, incredible friendships and observations and, you know, fun. That was the summer of 2018 when we had, when we hosted the World Cup, the Football World Cup in Russia. Mm -hmm. It was just something else. It was truly, truly amazing. So, yeah, not, not just the games, even though the games were great and some dramatic successes and losses of the Russian team, but just overall, the, the whole atmosphere and uh, the way people interacted with each other, the way the fans enjoyed, it, it, it's truly unforgettable. I will never forget that summer. And a moment of pride as well. I mean, I think oh, Russia yes. did an incredible job. Incredible job. I, have, I had friends who were there who traveled from India, uh, friends from some other European friends, and everybody who came back, unfortunately I couldn't make it, but everybody who came back and just said, man, it was an incredible tournament, incredibly hosted tournament. So full props to the, to the team who did that. Thank you. Yeah, I, I do feel proud still. Fantastic. All right. That brings us home, Pyotr. As always, ah. fantastic. Really engaging to talk to you. Likewise. <laughs> I, thought you, I thought you were going to no. jump in with something. But yeah, I'm just going to wrap it up and say uh, thanks for being on the show again for the second time. And for anybody who wants to get in touch with Pyotr, and shout out to Anatoly, who's uh, become a, a, a friend. We, we, we chat pretty often. Uh, we're related to work, especially um, the guys behind Indigo Capital. You can reach out to them on indigocapital.ru. And you'll also find their information in our upcoming VC report. So plenty of ways to reach out to them. Thanks once again for being on the show, Piotr. Thank you so much, Ron. All right. That is another episode done. We've talked a lot about all sorts of trends in this fast-growing sports tech space that we love to call our industry because, yeah, it's so interesting uh, to work in a space that's moving and changing so quickly. Uh, we discussed a lot of trends, which I hope you want to jump in on. Anything that you want to know, please feel free to reach out to us. Give us a rate. How do you like this episode? Go to uh, any of the platforms that you're listening to it. Give us a rating. Give us some feedback. We're always curious to hear uh, from you. And the last one I'll say, I, I did a quick plug, I should say, for Nifty Sports, which is our NFTs in sports channel, where we track what's happening in the NFT space, so just to keep an eye on it, as we always do. But we also have Hello Sports Tech, which is hellosportstech.com or youtube.com, Hello Sports Tech, where we test out a bunch of products in the sports tech space. If you haven't checked out all our other channels, please do. And while you do that, I'll go find another cool guest to interview. We'll see you guys soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Sports Tech All-Stars podcast with Roan Maholtra. If you like our show, let us know and leave a review. And if you want to know more about us, check out sportstechx.com, where you can find our latest industry reports and updates. For a deeper dive into all things sports tech, check out our comprehensive database, SportsTechDB, at sportstechdb.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media. You can find us at Sports Tech X on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Join us next time for another insightful conversation with a leader in sports tech.